0: What is up my lovely people so the last two weeks i took a little bit of a break only because i had friends in town and the world here in the states is just opening up like crazy it feels like overnight all of a sudden everyone is outside doing things and i had a few friends visit i've also been very busy with my dog crunch because he has horrible noise anxiety from the fireworks and for those of us in the states This past weekend was the 4th of July, which is a lot of fireworks happening. And so it's just been stressful, sleepless, and fun all at the same time. And I just took a break. So I appreciate you guys being patient while I do that for myself. But today on the podcast, we have an incredible guest. Her name is April McLean. She is a senior community manager at HubSpot, but really she does so much more. I know... April from the trends Facebook group, which we talk about in this episode. It is my favorite Facebook community of all time. My favorite, honestly, community online. Um, it just is packed with so much knowledge. It's full of entrepreneurs and it just feels like there's so much value there every single day when I check it, when I do check it, I feel like I just learned something new and it's awesome. If you haven't checked it out before, I think I talked about it in my networking episode, definitely go to the link in the show notes and see for yourself. But it's been super helpful. And April is the community manager for this group. And I have watched her time and time again, manage the group, manage its members and do so in such a graceful and professional way. And I've been so impressed by her. And so I was like, I have to have her on the next big thing. Community management, especially as we talk about with the latest changes with Apple and Facebook and how Facebook is leaning more toward audio features. Community management is on the rise and really what community management is is just you're managing a community of people online, whatever network that might be. And it's becoming increasingly popular too because it's an organic way to reach and build a, a community of people that maybe love your brand or are fans of your brand, as opposed to going out and paying to reach people. So it's a great way if you're a startup, if you're a brand, to engage with people that like you, but there's so many nuances that come with community management that I think a lot of people don't think about when they first start off. So April's a freaking genius. We talk even all about getting your MBA and how she went through Seth Godin's program, all-time BA. We talk about the trends group, how she's been able to come around and really make it such a powerful community for people and how she's been, been able to manage it. And I just freaking love her. I loved her conversation. And for those of you that are entrepreneurs, startup owners here, I think you're going to get a lot of value from this because this is on the rise and we need to keep our eyes peeled for it because it truly is going to be the next big thing. And a lot of brands are already trying to figure out how they can create branded communities for themselves. So listen to April, make sure to go check her out on LinkedIn and join the trends community because it's awesome. And you can see her magic in real time, but let's get into the conversation. I'll catch you guys on the flip side. Let's start with your history, because you have a pretty comprehensive history in marketing. So tell me more about where you started your career and how it's evolved.
1: Well, I think in order to start that conversation about career there, I'm going to go back even a little bit further, but make it really short. So I actually grew up in a pretty icky home and I went into foster care when I was about 14 years old. And for about three years, I moved through 22 homes. And the system sort of spit me out when I was, I got pregnant at 15 while I was a foster kid and got spit out around 17 and was living in my car. And it was just a really dark decade, but I always share that story when talking about work because there's, we don't do anything by accident. At least I don't think so. None of my choices have been on accident. Even if I thought it was serendipitous, they're always tied to something else. So I think a lot of my history and the choices that I've made in terms of work are directly linked to what I went through in those years and specifically the way I look at human connection and disconnection. So I would say that that would be a good foundation to lay before the other stuff. In terms of what happened next, um, I worked for Sony Music. My my first like job job was at Starbucks. I started as a And then I moved into leadership and then I moved into culture training, but I worked at at Sony Music. I did, I was a director of facilitating Google Venture Design Sprints for a, an accelerator. And then I opened a dance studio, of course, logically opened a dance studio. So I think marketing, I'm surprised to see now how siloed it can be, especially in my current role. I see these people do marketing. These people are engineers. These people and. All of my prior roles have always had to have feet in marketing, which I felt was just the norm, but I guess it's not. Every every position I've been in has required me to think intelligently about how to tell the story of the company, which you know, is really all that marketing is.
0: Tell me, I, your backstory is great. I love that you started with that because <laughs> I think that context is that is really important. Mm-hmm. Tell me a little bit about how you decided to go into your first job.
1: I think that I have always subconsciously and now consciously sought out experiences where I felt there was really thoughtful human connection. And Starbucks felt, this was a long time ago, this was in 2001, Starbucks felt like a different kind of space then. It felt like a space that was so electric and where people were always smiling at each other and engaging each other. It feels <laughs> I mean, a little it's different true. Now. <laughs> It's true. <laughs> I, I don't uh, disparage Starbucks. I mean, there's a lot of Starbucks haters. Certainly their coffee isn't my favorite, but I go there and I still enjoy it. But it definitely, it's hard to maintain that kind of electricity as you grow. But in any case, I was just enthralled with it and enthralled with coffee as many people are. The culture of coffee, the reason so many people are enchanted by it is it has this just notion of nostalgia and connection and savoring and slowing down. So I chose to seek a position with Starbucks because I just wanted to be in that environment so badly.
0: Wow. So you really had the gut instinct almost to surround yourself with this, this electric community, so to speak.
1: Right, was completely. I had no self awareness. But yes, in the end, that is true.
0: And then, what was moving into the rest of your career? Then, were you like, okay, marketing is this path that I'm going to take? I also agree with you, by the way. Side note that marketing integration with the rest of a culture, corporate culture, and community, it makes no sense that it's not. Just more natural, but like, what was your path? Thinking, okay, marketing feels good. There's something about it that I would like to pursue.
1: I never thought that. I still don't think that. <laughs> when I hear the word, when I hear the word marketing, it repels me, which is its own. I guess it's its own separate, weird conversation. So I never sought out to do marketing. It actually took me years and years before I even understood that that's what I was doing, or or to find language that helped me feel good about it. So just the word, even marketing is like, but I sought out, so I saw, I think I saw a posting for Sony music. They were hiring for something really basic, like street team lifestyle marketing. And it wasn't in my city. And I stalked the crap out of them for six months to a year, just trying to get them to open my territory so that I could go work for them. And it wasn't because I was interested in marketing. It's because I had this really intense love of music, which I think saying you love music is sort of like saying, oh, I really enjoy spending time with friends. It's like, <laughs> yeah, that's not unique. But my mom in particular, it was just her and I growing up until I was about eight years old. And she used to put, like bring me on you red eyes over to New York so she could catch a concert. My, I'm five years old. I'm sitting in wow. the audience at a Led Zeppelin concert. Like she, her whole wow. life was music. She lived for it. So I, I've been really blessed with that same. I hate the word passion. <laughs> I've been uh, blessed <laughs> with that same. This is gonna be a
0: hard one. I'm like, what were I know. Does she not Like, <laughs> <laughs> what it's does she like and what does she a not? Cliche
1: like? word. I know. <laughs> um, but I think I just I get a um adverse to. Words that people use a lot over and over again. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and I think they're really subjective meanings in some ways, like yeah. marketing to what you're to what you're saying. I feel like marketing now looks so different than what it used to be. And it means different things to different people,
1: yes. And it was all of my experiences with Seth Godin that changed my mind about marketing, which I'm sure we can we can get into at some point. So I, 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 saw, I saw Sony because I loved the idea of working with artists. And so after a lot of harassment, they finally let me into the company. And so I did a lot of event marketing and at least throwing parties for artists that were releasing albums. And it was a lot of fun. I mean, I got to, I got to work with artists before they were like John Legend who before it was like a thing. And those those were really exciting times, but it was such a bad fit for me. I was not made for that world. So anyways, every step of the way, it wasn't that I was choosing to be a marketer. I was choosing to be inside of a story that I thought was super compelling. And it just so happened that all those things involved marketing, which is de- is not coincidental. I think that I love marketing. I just wasn't sure that that was the label, and I also had a really dirty connotation of it.
0: Can you talk about this dirty connotation, please? I mean,
1: marketers suck. They just <laughs> like, so much marketing is just thoughtless and manipulative and stupid. And I think I'm I'm a I'm a cantankerous person by nature. I one might describe me as a curmudgeon, but there are certain aspects of marketing that are so small, but still really aggravate me. I'll give you a really specific example. Women's advertising uses the word deserve a lot. Mm. Oh, indulge, you deserve it. Well, you don't know what I deserve. I mean, first yes. of all, I could be a mass murderer and I don't deserve to indulge in like <laughs> this facial thing. And just like the way that they play on like weird sort of emotions, it half the time it doesn't make sense. It, they're phoning it in. There's a when I stumble upon uh, websites and the, everything above the fold is about them. We were formed in 1920, and and we are best in class. Like no one cares about that. You're not even talking to people. So I think in general marketing has just always felt like a black hole of thoughtlessness to me. And it, and it took a long time and some very specific experiences to change my mind about that.
0: I know. Can you talk about these specific experiences? Yes. Um, <laughs> the
1: specific experience has a name, and his name is Seth Godin. Yes. Um, so I joined the Alt MBA program in a couple,
0: maybe like five years ago now. And can you explain for listeners what that is? Yes.
1: So Seth, if you don't know who Seth is, he is a renowned writer in marketing. He's a extremely thoughtful and generous soul. And the way that he writes and thinks about marketing is so human and straightforward. And it it just lacks fluff. And I've always loved his writing. So he still writes, but he also runs something called Akimbo and Akimbo is this umbrella for a bunch of workshops but they started with i think they started with this this thing called the alt mba which is it has a rigorous screening process and it's expensive and it's all of these barriers are in place and i obviously those barriers psychologically get you ready to go feet first into this thing and, and this is
0: it, and they call it alt mba because Alt-MBA. it's yeah because you know Seth,
1: Seth is—I
0: don't know if these are the words that he would use—but
1: I don't think that he gives a ton of merit to traditional education. I mean, he's—he he's, uses the words. There's like a FAQ on the All MBA site, and it says, "Is this program credentialed?" And he says, "Proudly, no." And his, <laughs> his whole—yeah, I, 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 I think his whole philosophy is sort of the average education is meant for you to memorize answers, give the right answers, move on, which again is just breeding this sort of thoughtlessness. So the All-MBA is a four-week synchronous cohort-based program where you get into groups with other people. It, It just sucks your time dry because you have to be on for several hours Tuesday, several hours Thursday, all day. I think it's either Saturday or Sunday. It's like nine to five. Wow. And you dedicate a lot of time. You quote unquote ship multiple projects and it just, it's like a roller coaster. It takes off fast. And going through that process and listening to the way that he thinks about marketing, which is nothing more than you decide you want to see this specific change in the world, and then you decide what stories you're going to tell to help people understand that change you seek. That's marketing. And that was such a breath of fresh air to me.
0: Hmm. Yeah, I can see how you would feel that way in the context of ads that we've grown up seeing. I think Mm -hmm. about ones with anti-aging, right? And how we're peddled with like anti-aging products when we turn a certain age. And it's like, why? What if I don't care about that? Like, Mm -hmm. why are you creating? It's like, when you put it in the context of what you just said of, of, of of creating a story for the future and you want to be a part of telling that is do do these companies really want to be a part of telling the story about anti-aging or do they want to pioneer a more positive movement movement about body positivity and acceptance within society it just seems like you're on a backwards path
1: yeah that's exactly right and 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 i think so much of it comes down to people are engaging, and I'm talking about marketers, people are engaging in products and services that probably they themselves don't feel particularly excited about. That it doesn't click with them on a personal level, but that's their job. So they're going to do their job. And that's just not that's just not a philosophy I can connect with.
0: Yes. And so you were in Alt MBA and mm-hmm. I, I didn't realize how time consuming it is. That's and in, that's interesting. Is it when you go through the MBA process, is it like the alt mba process can you network is it are, are there some parallels to what people consider to be like a traditional mba oh heck if i know i have never got an mba
1: but there is definitely a lot of networking there is a lot of connections and opportunities i think So i got my degree in dance of all things and and when i there's a lot of talk about where the future of education is going it's something i'm really interested in I do not buy into the philosophy that college is for everyone and certainly not as it's laid out now in terms of the financial aspects of it. I don't think that I would have gotten in debt again to, to get my degree. But what I do think college does is connects you with people and opens up these sort of serendipitous pathways that you wouldn't have otherwise. And all MBA certainly did that. But the other thing that it did that was important is my interactions with Seth personally extended past the all MBA. And he just in a one-on-one capacity is the one who encouraged me to publish my book. He donated to my first big choreographed show. I mean, and seeing somebody who's of his caliber and talks the things that he talks about, then back it up when no one's looking behind the curtain was an important, I think it was an important thing for me to see that sort of authenticity come through and that people can be exactly who they say they are.
0: Wow. Yeah. So how did that inform and shape then what you wanted to do after the program?
1: One, the one way is his encouragement to, he talks a lot about minimal viable audiences instead of MVPs. And it's like, what are, what are the couple people in the room that will care about what you have to say? And this is something that shapes the way that I think about things a lot. I was actually just writing some copy before we jumped on this call. And I was talking about in Facebook posts, you know, people will put F or following yeah, And it's like a pet peeve of mine. So like, don't clutter the feed with this. Uh, so I was, I was, I was writing this page that included like best practices for a Facebook post. And, and they're like, click like,
0: like the three dots. Yeah,
1: exactly. And then the, the title of it, I was like, I wrote stop effing around, which, which was like a play <laughs> on like, don't put F. And that's the kind of thing that I think prior to the going through the all mba or or the trajectory of the last couple years it's like oh that's a little taboo you know you gotta marketers really do lukewarm all the time it's just like let's not offend any of the masses
0: ever ever it's so true it's so true as politically correct as possible so you can reach as many people as possible
1: and you and it reads with no one and We have a whole world on the edge of their seat, waiting to be offended all the time now. So even that strategy is a lost cause. Yeah. So even <laughs> just writing like "stop effing around," I, I'm I'm gonna say that some people are right. gonna really dig that, and some aren't. But it's it's like little little choices just to have a personality and be a person. And those for me, that's that's one of the reasons that I was drawn to trends was they actually talk like people, and I really like that.
0: Yeah, let's dive into that because so I'll do the intro, but for people listening, I know you roll through this trends community and I have to say it's my favorite community on the internet by far. Mm -hmm. I think Mm -hmm. I have a few like runner up communities, but for me, I hate when I feel behind or I don't know something (laughs) like it really is a pet peeve of mine. And I will find myself just creating new projects just to see if I can like pull them off. And I feel like Trends keeps me in line with where I personally want to be in my knowledge. And it really has helped me in so many ways network with people, but then also just explore and understand new things. And then when you think about for a lot of these Facebook groups, the fact that you can just use the search tool and find any conversation that you want. It's so powerful. But but Trends has really been an incredible community. I'm so grateful to be a part of it. And I would love to hear how you got involved. And now you work for HubSpot, which acquired the hustle, which we can explain all of that. But talk to me about, <laughs> yeah, talk to me about your involvement originally in the community. It's so
1: funny that you say it like that because prior to joining the team, I owned my dance studio for 11 years. And now when people find out, because my I've only been there for a couple months. What do you do now? It it takes a little bit too long to, okay, well,
0: so, okay, so there's this company. (laughs) So, yeah, there's, and then when you say friends, it's like such a generic word that people are like, I don't understand. Like, it's not like a branded (laughs) term. Yeah, yeah,
1: exactly. People are like, she's
0: part of a cult. Uh Uh-huh.
1: Or, or, like, she follows Gary Vee. That's what's going on here. (laughs) Um, Exactly. Yeah. So, so, so the Hustle is a media company and they have a premium product called Trends and the whole thing Was acquired by HubSpot, so technically I work for HubSpot. Although I don't say that, not because I don't love HubSpot, but I just I was in the middle of being hired. I was in the middle of being hired during the acquisition, so it still feels to me like I was hired by the hustle. Yeah, Um, I joined the community itself about a year and a half ago, and I felt exactly how you feel. It's my favorite community. I was in a couple of communities before Facebook groups that I felt were good but i had no idea what i was missing the trans community blew them out of the water in <clears throat> in terms of how nuanced or expert driven the conversations were it was phenomenal and i had this goal with my prior business and my goal was i wanted to build a six figure business that was part time so i didn't want to spend more than 10 to 15 hours a week on it and i wanted to, it to be a solopreneur experience so i could have contractors but not employees and once i hit that goal was ready for the next thing. And so I had posted inside the trends community, hey, this is this was my goal. I hit that goal. I'm looking for other solopreneurs who have had the same experience. Let's link up and had this crazy great amount of response. And, and I went to bed pumped like tomorrow I'm going to message all these people. We're going to form this great group. And then I woke up the next morning and I post had been pulled by the group and deleted. And I was devastated. <laughs> I was so upset. And When you deny, I know this now as a moderator, when you remove or deny a post in our group, there's a little box to offer feedback. And most of the time we do, or we did. And so the staff who had pulled the post had offered me feedback, but the feedback doesn't come up on mobile, which is super aggravating. So I had no idea why I just saw that it was gone. And I actually messaged Sam on Facebook, like, Hey, And he got me in touch with Steph and Steph said, you know, I I sent you feedback. We love your posts. We want you here. We want to see groups, but we are still trying to figure out what the parameters should be for allowing people to put together meetups because there, I mean, it is trends. There's a lot of hustlers, quote unquote, and they can sometimes be a little opportunistic. So, I understood, you know, what questioning my motives or wanting to make sure that there were guardrails up. And she asked me if I would hop on a Zoom call with her and give her more direct feedback and just thoughts on the community. And that Zoom call led to this job. By the end of the Zoom call, it was like, okay, is this something that you want to do? You know, I'm going to send you a job description. So, I didn't see it coming, but at the same time, I had already decided I was done with my current project, I hadn't been job hunting. But if I was going to choose a company to work for, this certainly would be at the top of the list.
0: Yeah. And I want to give some background for people who are listening. Trends is a paid community. It was part of The Hustle. So The Hustle is a newsletter that comes out. You can still sign up for it. It's free. And then Trends is their paid community. And... They have a great free trial. I mean, I remember when I signed up for the trial, the Facebook group actually sold me on the trial. So they have tons of different information in this hub online. And then they have the Facebook community and the community itself is full of people that are entrepreneurs, like you said, hustlers. And so it's really, really popular. And it is just, it's an amazing community. I really could not live without it.
1: Yeah. Shameless plug. I feel the exact same way. I came through the trial. I converted from the trial because of the Facebook group. There were months I didn't read the content, even though it's really good. But when you know in your business that at any given point, whatever challenge or question you face, there is probably dozens of people in there that are going to have answers for you. It really changes the way that you can move through challenges. It's, it, is, it is the best community I've ever seen.
0: Same. And you also hear about all these people paying thousands of dollars for these like crazy masterminds, right? Like just join this fucking group. Sorry for Like (laughs) just join the group and you might not actually need to do that because there are people that are actually thinking the same way that you are and asking the same questions. Yep. That's exactly right. And, and talk to me about your role now. So you say moderator and then on your LinkedIn, it says senior community manager. So what do you do day to day?
1: Yes, yeah, So I am a, I'm a senior community manager. I I do moderate, there's a, there's a team of moderators, but my really in a nutshell, my role is here are these 16,000 people do something with them, make them happy. And, and that's kind of it. It's like, um, and that like just sort of comes in a variety of ways. It's, it's, yeah. pro, you know, programming, preserving the quality of the group, planning out what, what should the future look like? Where do we want to take them? Events? It's it's all over the
0: place. Yeah, that's, that's- great. I love that you just said that because mm-hmm. I think there's a lot that goes into community management and moderation that people don't think about because you almost have to understand what is the roadmap and the goals for this group outside of what the people within the group see or know, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And it, and it gets... It's, it's an interesting transition, I will say, because coming from my prior business, it was very kumbaya. It's, it, it was a smaller community for sure, but they're dancers, they're happy. Almost everything you say and do thrills them. They just want to do more dancing and more things. And I understood them so well. It's like it was almost impossible for me to make a bad decision in terms of programming for them. And this is not the case with trends. And so, with every decision made, there's, especially when you have that many people, there are always a handful of people that. I mean, we had a Clubhouse session this week, and there was a guy who was commenting to me every five minutes about how stupid it was that I was doing it. Like, just Wait, every five minutes. Yeah, because because he hates Clubhouse, and he was like, "This is stupid. Why are you on Clubhouse?" I'm like, well. We we explore all platforms and we're obviously gonna for longevity's sake, we'll go with something that overindexes, but we're still gonna explore.
0: Wait, can you imagine can you imagine if you're like, you know what, this is dumb, we're just not gonna do this anymore. Like (laughs) what do you like what does he expect the reaction to be, you know? I mean he
1: and like he pushed over and over and over again. Yeah, but it's stupid, why are you doing it this way? And and I'm I'm really not used to that yet. And Sam did say in the beginning uh, that there was uh, we were having a conversation. By the way,
0: for people listening, Sam is the founder of the hustle.
1: Sam is the Sam Parr is the founder of the hustle. He we should talk about Sam as a leader. That that would be a good topic of conversation. Okay. Yes. But um, but he he did say you're gonna have to get some thick skin because this is like the world of media is not very kind and there's always gonna be people that are mad at you. And boy, was he right. Like <laughs> it'll be the smallest thing. I'll be like, oh, hey everyone fruit loops for breakfast and they're like that's so stupid how could (laughs) you then don't eat the fruit loops
0: (laughs) yeah so so i mean it's it's really funny because that's where running a community is so subjective right because so many people have opinions and you can't you have to be very pragmatic about things and you can't just like tell people that they're like no opinion is technically the wrong opinion but you also Mm -hmm. have to find a way to wrangle people too to keep right. the like semblance of i don't know 50% kumbaya i'm not really sure what it looks like but you know what i'm saying like <laughs> you can't have yeah. like it just be like a, a fire everywhere that you're just constantly putting out so how do you how do you manage that i mean i don't even know if you know how to articulate that i think that's really hard to articulate but what how would you say if if things are getting rowdy in in comment sections as, mm-hmm. as someone that's moderating like what do you do
1: the first thing that i do is Check my perspective because this is the part that where things start to go awry really quickly. If if I look at my day yesterday and my interactions over this one topic, the clubhouse room that I'm talking about, the only thing I remember is this guy. However, that is only one one hundredth of what went on yesterday. So the the. The people that come against you or who give you a hard time, and certainly this person isn't, I mean, he just doesn't like clubhouse. It's fine. But those types of objections are going to be so loud in your ears and you are going to forget how fractional they are. So that, and again, Sam is really good about this as well, where he talks about, okay, but in reality, how many people really are unhappy or how many people really don't like this idea? And it's always a very small portion. Exactly. Right. So that perspective is really, really important because there's, there's ego at play too. It's like, I made this decision and now you're telling me it was a bad decision. So I can either choose to like, put like, let my ego stand in, in the way. But if I do that, then I'm going to miss some possibly really good perspective. And the good perspective here is that personally, I don't think clubhouse is a great use of our time. I don't think that the um, platform itself is where we belong, but if I just want to be right, then I'll keep pushing to stay on clubhouse in this case. Um, When the truth is, that's probably not the move for us. And there is something to this feedback, even if I don't like the way it's presented. So number one, it's keeping in perspective, like how many people are really yelling about something versus seem fine. And then second is even when people are coming up against you and maybe presenting it in in an unruly fashion, where's the truth? Like where where can you take ownership of where there might be truth in that?
0: Yeah. And I think something that you do a really great job of is acknowledging people's comments without having a... An emotional reaction to them. <laughs> I love that you a laugh lie. About
1: that. <laughs> because my fingertips and what they do on a keyboard are so different than what happens inside my brain. Um, but I'm really glad that it comes off that way. Yeah. Well,
0: so that's. I think we should talk about that. I mean, I was a community manager before. I've been in this space. It is exhausting. It's tiring. And yep. it's frustrating. And it is really hard to not just like spew what you really want to say. But Mm -hmm. what I've seen, I've been so impressed by, that's why I wanted to have you on the podcast is because of, and what we were talking about before we started recording with iOS 14.5 coming out and the entire targeted advertising industry changing, people are going to look for different ways to talk to their consumer base. And I think for some brands, it can be a really good fit for some other brands, they're forcing it. But Mm -hmm. I do think that community management is on the rise and it's so important that people understand what to do and what not to do. But you really have to be like cautious and cognizant of your own emotions and let them not get in the way.
1: Yeah. And the sudden, the sudden interest in community building is it's good. It's, also often really poorly executed i think i think it's a it's a area where people assume that it's a it's a simple play and it is not it requires very high level skill it requires a lot of eq and the way that i see companies approaching community building now is feels very disingenuous to me
0: okay why So, you're like how capitalize. much
1: time you got, <laughs> and how yeah, you articulate it. Uh, you want to capitalize on community now because you're starting to see the merits in building community. Well, for one, I'm of the personal opinion that community first, product or service second. And that might not always suit people's structure, business structure, and that I understand. But when I think about the most, let, let's, let's, pull an example of the most non-communal thing I could possibly consider. Um, okay. How about a, a retail website? Like, um, what are those really cheap, cheap ones? Like, oh gosh, I can't even, Shein? Like a Wish I... or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. There's, there, I'm sure there's like Reddit rabid fans of Wish. I'm sure they're out there. Uh... Like, <laughs> I don't, I, oh, it's Reddit, man. you can find. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> there's no community there. It's just this very siloed generic product or service and you are a number to them. And that's as far as it's going to go. And I I think a lot of companies built their business that way. And they're now trying to put community on top of it, which if you're going to start a business today, I think the reverse should be true. But I also think the second way that it feels disingenuous to me is that there is a real mix up between what it takes to build an audience versus what it takes to build a community. So people are building audiences and calling that community mm, and they're really
0: fundamentally different things. Okay. What is the difference?
1: So shout out to Ethan Brooks who is on the trends team and is one of the kindest humans you'll ever meet because he he is the one who put this in a diagram on Twitter that really made my head go. Pfft.
0: But I was gonna say his articles too, I read his articles on trends and they're really good. Such a great guy. An audience listens to you.
1: So it's one to many. A community is many to many. So as a leader, it's you having the ability to facilitate conversations and connections between the members that exist outside of you. And that is the component that's missing. And I think it's hard for a lot of, especially well established large businesses, because they're so used to just getting on their megaphone. And I remember very specifically at the studio, the moment I realized that what we had built was so much bigger than just this brick and mortar space because I was on Facebook doing something and one of our, members had had a, one of our dancers had had a birthday that had passed and had had this big birthday get together. And in all of the photos that were uploaded, the vast majority of the people at the get together were other people at the studio. And when I realized, oh, this thing is, exists outside of me It was such a gratifying feeling because now you're giving people something that they can take with them forever, and as a bonus, that they'll always associate with what you
0: built. Ooh, I love that! (laughs) Yes, okay. What if you're a startup, new business, and is there like I'm, I'm trying to think of what? how to phrase this question, if you want to, if you know that you have to sell something at some point, Mm -hmm. but you also want to build a community, like you're talking about the community is so important, right? And, and how that needs to be, more of a focus just because it's, I mean, I agree. It's it's more, you get better research. I feel like better Intel, you start to understand people's feelings, emotions, but how do you, if you're a brand that like hasn't launched yet, what does that look like for a newer brand and how would you recommend that they proceed?
1: I would recommend that you, this, so I'm ideally, if you're coming up with this, this product or service, you have, you're doing it because there's some sort of common need. All of these people are going to have this common need or common problem that they're facing. I mean, unless you're creating something that's like completely silly and superfluous, you're, you're binding people together around your thing. So that being a given common purpose is first common space is second. So now now that you have your common purpose for your audience, now you need a common space for them to gather, which for us as Facebook groups, which we get a lot of hate over, but it is what it is, <laughs> whether you want to get them into Facebook or Circle <laughs> or Mighty Networks or whatever yep. it is that you're going to do, common purpose one, common space two, facilitate the conversations three. And that's how you start is you facilitate this space for learning and connection that has really very little to do with what you're offering. And in the beginning, the Trends Facebook group, Sam started it and nobody really talked. It was him posting multiple times a day in his echo chamber and seeding those conversations. And I, I will add to the dilemma of building an audience versus building a community is there's also an an ego thing involved. It is really hard to build a community in the beginning. It's like throwing constant dinner parties where nobody shows up. And that's really demoralizing.
0: Like I'm just, I just love talking to myself. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
1: And you get, you get in there with this, um, Sort of, you're trying to pump yourself up. Hey, everyone, yada, yada, yada. And like nobody responds. And that's just so awkward. And I think that, I think Sam and I think people who are successful in this arena just have a a, a certain kind of DGAF grit and they just get it in there anyway. And whether you respond or don't respond, they're just going to keep plugging away at the thing. And then it takes on a life of its own. I I think I hear a lot about the story of Reddit and how in the beginning it was all Redditors making lots of Reddit account, like Reddit employees making Reddit accounts and creating these fake conversations to make it look like there was something going on in Reddit. And then one day, one of them gets in there and, oh my gosh, this conversation is not us. And you have that tipping point where the community starts speaking without you. So common purpose, common space, see the conversation, and then just know that you're going to be talking to no one for a while and you got to be okay with that.
0: That is, reminds me of how many people like myself have started Facebook groups and just left them because the momentum just wasn't picking up. Also, I think it's really tough too, because when you think about the Facebook algorithm and how sometimes you might be a member of a group, you might just completely miss something. I think Mm -hmm. that makes it really hard too, because people are so busy doing a million other things and then they go on Facebook and then on their feed they might not see a post from a group, even though there was a post. And that gets tough too that that makes the group even harder to start to populate. Is there any real tipping point when you say that there is a tipping point where you just start to see people jump in? Is it, do you notice certain kinds of posts that that do better? Is it like call to actions? Is it just a general like wanting to get to know people? Like Where do you see that moment happening of people starting to engage that aren't just part of the company itself?
1: I think it comes after a long and intentional string of posts that require or encourage them to interact with one another. We had a a Facebook group for the dance studio and it died for a while during COVID because because it was COVID and I couldn't bring myself to care about a Facebook group. And I really couldn't bring myself to care about much of anything for a few months. And when our staff and I decided to, we got to resurrect this thing, which by the way is much harder than building from scratch. So to your, to your point earlier about you see so many people start Facebook groups and then just sort of slink out because nothing's happening. Um, it is way harder to try to return to that than to start from scratch. And that's one reason that inconsistency will really kill a community. But what we did was we got together and we Google docked a shared list of ideas of posts that we were all going to get in there and do, but all of the posts were oriented around getting them to respond or help each other or just really communal, fun, lighthearted things. So it's a, it's a studio. We don't have to be as expertise as trends. And strangely enough, one of the things that kicked up all the engagement was a baby photo thread. Like we want to see baby photos of you and everybody jumped in with their goofy awkward baby photos and it just endeared people to each other. So the tipping point though I would never say that there's a time frame, oh, it's 30 days, it's 90 days, it's whatever. It's as long as it takes, but it comes after a string of not asking questions that re- that require either yes or no, or that they're talking to you, but that they talk to each other. And I will give like a weird little hack that's kind of cheesy, but really helpful. If you go on Amazon and you search for table topics, there's this company that makes these little cubes that are filled with conversation cards. And they are, there's like table topics for families, date night, women's, whatever. And some of them are not great. And a lot of them are great, but they will give you an endless array of questions to ask because it can be really exhausting to try to come up with things to talk about.
0: I love that. That's such a cute <laughs> idea. And, and it's cute that you would apply that to Facebook groups. Cause it's like, of course you would like, why <laughs> would that not be something that you would use, you know, love that. Okay. Let's close out talking about you talked about Sam a few times you talked mm. about Trends being just this amazing community which i agree but talk to me about Sam's like leadership capabilities and how that's really pulled you into wanting to work for Trends and wanting to be a part of their team
1: mhm before Trends i was well not before Trends before working for Trends as i said i was a member of the community i was also a pretty devoted listener of the My First Million podcast. So for people listening, My First Million. I I listen to that all the time. It's so good. It is really good. It's co-hosted by Sam and Sean. And the whole idea of the podcast is just this riff on business ideas. And in and of itself, for most people like us, that's very juicy. But the juiciness is amplified by the fact that the way they, and particularly Sam talks, is just endearingly down to earth, people use the word bro-y on him. I'm not I don't jive with that. I don't really consider him broy. what i What I think that they're trying to say is that he just talks like a person <laughs> and and like and not like a well-oiled business machine. You yeah, know, so. like
0: it's it's like unfiltered, which is yeah. the best type of podcast you could listen to when yes. you listen to a podcast that is really structured, it's like I'll just go listen to a damn audiobook then. Like why am I here? You know? It's it doesn't true. it doesn't feel like there's character to it and I feel like their podcast has that and it feels like you're in the room with them.
1: It's absolutely true. And and it's the fact that Sam doesn't use a lot of words. I had mentioned at the top of the the podcast. Just words irritate me. People the way that people adapt and overuse language is a little bit irritating and you never hear him say things like spin up or disrupt or change the game. And that's one of the things that I, I really enjoy is just a person talking like a person. So I had had this, I had already admired Sam and what he's done. And when you go back into his history and you think about like, you know, he had a hot dog sand and I think it was called Southern Sam's hot dogs. I'm Wait, my really first I cannot know this. Yeah. This, this was like one of his first things. Sam, if you listen to this podcast, sorry if I butcher the story, but I, I want to say it was Southern Sam's Hot Talks or something like that. But his, the tagline for it was wieners as big as a baby's arm. And oh that kind of stuff just like gets me in my delighted little feels because his knack for language is, it's so easy to look at the simplicity and just giggle at it, but he's sort of a genius and when I listen to him work things out in conversation, he sounds just very, he just talks in this plain language, but then he says something that lets you know that he is working things out in his head faster than I can fathom. So I, I all this to say, I have a, a sort of admiration for him. I like that he says on the podcast when he doesn't know things, he just flat out says he has totally. no idea what that is. I love that he says things about like he's, he'll say and it works wonderfully. That's one of his favorite sentences. I like that <laughs> sentence a lot. Wait, um, do you th- does he know that
0: is he aware of it
1: that I that I like that?
0: No, that he says that.
1: I I said it to him lot, like earlier this week. I was telling him that in a in a different context. I don't think I said you say it a lot, but he'll say it works wonderfully or it works quite well. <laughs> like those are his two <laughs> and I love it. It's just lovely. Um but when I interviewed for the job, I, I, went, I went through about five interviews. Sam was one of them. It was a great experience because I felt like I knew him, even though I didn't, but he wasn't intimidating. he did come across as this, "Hey, I'm this like influencer." He was He was easy to talk to. When I joined the team, however, There was some growing pains there. I didn't quite know how to read him. I still don't, honestly. I don't how to read him or what to expect. Or you know, you want you want him to be pleased. That's just part of the process. And girl, I haven't had to worry about pleasing anybody in a really (laughs) long time. I mean, I take care of my dancers, but I the buck stops with me. So having someone above me that who has a, a stake in what I do is a very strange thing to get used to. But. The leadership for me solidified over one specific incident. And that is there was a a post in a trans group that did not go well. It was my first big project. I posted about it. There was a backlash. And to be frank, I was pretty devastated. It was I had put really a lot of effort. I was proud of this thing. I was excited for it. It was a response to a directive. I it wasn't my idea, but it was a response to a directive. And to have that be like, here, everyone, and for there to be a handful of people that are like, you're ruining this place. (laughs) It was a bit, it was really hard. I was sitting on my couch watching the comments pour in and sort of like tearing up over them and just trying to like keep it in perspective. And I wasn't going to involve Sam. It's just sort of like, I'm going to handle it myself. But as I saw it growing and growing, and I saw that people were starting to use words that were really problematic, I, I, I messaged him and I was like, man, all right, I did this thing. Here's what's going on. And he handled me. I don't know how, how to describe it, except to say that he didn't coddle. He didn't rescue. He didn't like, he didn't overdo. He just said, what's the solution that you want to see? Because I have your back. So whatever it is, tell me what you want and let's make it happen. And he totally had my back. He allowed me to take ownership he allowed me to think through, okay, well, what is what is really the problem here? He he reminded me that very few people in in relative proportion to the size of our group were actually upset. He made it clear that he completely supported me and was like, look, no one's gonna disrespect you. I'm not gonna have that. And all of that was just so well it was so well played. He his EQ is so much higher than I think a lot of people understand. And that for me was a sort of turning point. It's like, okay, well, whatever I do next, whatever mistakes I make, I know that Sam's going to give me ownership. He's going to allow me to learn. He's going to tell me to toughen up and he's also going to support me. And those are the things that I look for from a leader.
0: That's great. Yeah. that's Those are great qualities to have in mm-hmm. a leader. And I think it's uncommon, or I think people think it's uncommon, excuse me, for there to be people that have a high EQ that also are in this space, mm-hmm. um, I think a lot of people think that there's a lot of founders who are looking for success at all costs. And so the EQ suffers as a result of that, or it's right. just not there in the first place. And I like that that perspective too, because it isn't coddling. It's, it's gently supportive, but also still putting you in the driver's seat so that you can grow and learn from that experience. It's great. Yep.
1: Yep. He told me to toughen up and I'm going to.
0: Yeah. I love that. (laughs) So for those of you listening, you can find April in the trends group on Facebook. You have to go to trends.co. I'll put that in the show notes to join the community, but come over and join us. It's a lot of fun and you will always learn something new. I think I learn something new every single day that I'm a part of that group. Yes, ma'am. Myself as well. Yeah, for sure. All right. Thank you so much, April. Thanks. All right, people. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I hope you learned something new from April. I was so fascinated how quickly she's able to speak to some of these things. Like, she's just so on top of it. She gets it, and she's a stellar community manager. Make sure to go check the show notes for the link for Trends if you are interested in joining. They have a 14 day free trial. And it's one of the best decisions I ever made. So I highly encourage you guys to at least check it out for the 14 day trial. And I love you so much. Thank you so much for listening and supporting me even when I take personal breaks and I will catch you guys next week. Have a good one.